MyWax Museum is a proud member of the Create Vine. Hey guys, before we get into today's show, I just wanted to make a couple notes. At the beginning of this interview, you're going to hear some talking in the background. Since everybody's working from home right now, especially back in the fall when we did this, uh, my roommate <laughs> was doing his call center job at the same time. We just had some overlap in schedule. So you're going to hear a little bit of talking in the background when I'm talking, but fortunately, I'm the interviewer, so I do the least talking. And it's only at the beginning of the interview. But anyways, on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm joined by my friend, Emma Foster. Now, Emma is fantastic. She is a very kind, thoughtful, and smart person. And we're going to talk about her major later in this, just a teaser. It has to do with artificial insemination and cows. It's so cool. And remember, after today's episode, make five minutes in your day to listen intently to the people around you. Emma Foster, welcome to My Wax Museum. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I like to start off with how we know each other. Doing an interview in a call center here. Um, <clears throat> this is before the election, so people are very busy doing surveys. So you know what? Let's just let's just roll with it, and uh, I can always re-record my questions later if I have to. So I like to start off with how we know each other. Um, which, by the way, your audio will be totally fine. It's recorded onto a separate track, so it's not going to have this in it. Um, so. I like to start off with how we know each other. Do you do you remember how we know each other or where we met or do you have any first memories of us meeting? I think we know each other based off of Bethany actually. Um, I think one of our first memories together was, you know, she made cookies, went around telling people she made cookies and you guys showed up and we're like, "We heard you made cookies and we want cookies." And you guys were in that door. And I remember coming out of my room and be like, oh, there's, there's people over. Oh my gosh, this is weird. And we just sat and talked. And I, I think that that was it. I think that's pretty accurate. I think Bethany actually talked about that cookie meeting um, in the interview I did with her. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we've known each other. That was, uh, by the time this interview comes out, that was like two and a half years ago. I'm definitely going to re-record everything I, I, I say, by the way, when I, when I do this. <laughs> Fortunately, I can. Um, so, okay. So, I'd like to start off with where you're from then. So, where are you from originally? Um, I am originally from Fresno, California. Well, actually, Exeter, California. Nobody knows where it is, so I just say Fresno. Um, it's a tiny little farming town in... Uh, the Central Valley in Southern California. Um, it's smaller than Rexburg. And and it's called Exeter, California. Is that right? Yeah, Exeter, California. Um, it's one of those towns where you're born there, you live there, you die there. And that's, you know, kind of how my dad was brought into it is my family, my grandparents moved there. My dad lived there. He attended the high school graduated, left for college for a little bit, but then came back and has been living there and has his business there and all his buddies. Interesting. I want to hear about 
Um, I, I'm, I'm first curious if that's your plan to, to live there, born there, die there. Um, but I'm kind of more interested in how you saw it growing up. Like what was, what was your growing up experience like as a kid in Exeter, California? I could talk for hours about that. Um, no, it is not my plan to stay there and experience that. And I'm not going to be one of those people that is born there, lives there their whole life, and then dies there. I, that is not what I want to do with my life. I Growing up there was kind of difficult just because I was shoved into this cookie cutter thing of this is what you need to be because I've grown up with these people my entire life. I attended elementary school and kindergarten with the kids that I graduated with. I've known them since I was little. And, you know, it, it, it's hard to, to break out of that shell of what everybody's kind of put you into. I, you know, the friends that I had, I was friends with since elementary school. You know, they, they had been with me for so long. And sophomore year realized they weren't real friends. And it was impossible to find new friends junior and senior year. It was hard to create those connections again with people who've had those connections and those bonds basically since birth. It, it was hard to, you know, actually be myself and feel confident in who I was because everybody knew me, everybody had their thoughts and their ideas of what I was and had already made those judgments. And, and it, it was really hard to try and, and fix that and, and try and create those bonds again. Do you feel like, um, despite feeling kind of pigeonholed, you know, like people already had their judgments about you, do you feel like there were any big changes that you were maybe at least making internally, even if you didn't feel like you could express them outwardly yet or in the way that you wanted? Um, yeah, I is going to sound stupid. But senior year, I was just done with it all. I was done with being pigeonholed in this town. I was ready to get out and leave for college and just experience the world. And my hometown does kind of like this scholarship opportunity. It's, it's a pageant, but it's not based off of beauty. It's basically whoever sells the most tickets wins. That's the whole thing. Um, and so I decided I was going to do it. I was, I had decided that I had coasted by in high school enough and I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't, I didn't like it. And I remember telling my parents that I wanted to sign up for this beauty pageant and the, the signups were about to close. And my mom just kind of looked at me and is like, I mean, yeah, you can do it, but why a sudden interest? Why, why all of a sudden do you want to do this? Because it was, it was one of those things that the rich popular girls did and their parents sold their tickets for them. I, I'm not that. I'm not a rich, popular girl. I coasted by, I had a couple friends, but that was it. And I think that was the first time that I actually wanted to change. And I allowed that change to show. And I remember the night of the pageant, it was over and everything. And my parents, my mom just kind of looked at me and gave me a hug. And I was like, what was that for? And she, she had told me that while they were waiting for things to progress and, you know, the whole pageant was going on, my family kind of just looked at each other 
And we're like, I would never do this. Would you? And they were honestly shocked that I did something like that, that I, that little quiet me got out of my shell and decided to put myself in a dress, no less. I hate wearing dresses. They're the worst thing ever, bane of my existence. And I decided to get in front of a huge group of people, dance around in a dress and talk and, and, you know, get out of my comfort zone and be me. So you say um, that, that that was you being you, how, like, I guess what, what, what was going on in the background for you to step out of that comfort zone and, and really try and present yourself how you felt like presenting yourself instead of in the view that everybody else had come to expect from Emma? Um, if I understand your question properly, I think, like I said earlier, was, I was just done. I was tired of being pigeonholed. I... I didn't really in high school have the opportunity to experience who Emma was because Emma at the time was who other people told her she was. And I mean, I'm definitely not that pageant girl anymore. Like I don't do that, but I feel like it was a way of stepping so far out of my comfort zone that it allowed me to kind of maybe step a little bit closer, but to, you know, explore that area and that range a little bit more. And leading up to it, um, did you have any hesitations? Like what, what were you expecting to happen? What, what were your hopes? Um, and I, I guess then ultimately, how did it turn out? Um, I knew I was going to lose because I'm not the rich girl who goes and has her father sell tickets for her. Um, but I knew that out of this whole thing, I was going to get something out of it. I knew that I was going to be proud of myself for stepping out, being me. I was kind of going to get known a little bit more in the high school. And, and that was, that's what happened. I signed up, I was a part of it. And for the longest time, people were like, oh my gosh, you're doing Miss Exeter. Why, why are you of all people doing Miss Exeter? And it was a conversation starter. They they actually wanted to get to know me. They wanted to talk to me about things and it kind of helped me be more social senior year, especially considering I didn't have friends. I, like I said, sophomore year, I lost all my friends and junior year sucked. And I decided that senior year was going to be a change. And then having made that change, where do we go from there? Now you're, you know, you're somebody who's pushing outside of your comfort zone, trying to present yourself how you feel. And so what, what was that progress like? Who, who is it um, that Emma became, that you became? And how did you make that journey? I think with that whole thing, I became someone who wasn't afraid to be myself. I talked about what I wanted to talk about. I did what I wanted to do. I, I was just, to plainly put it, I was being me for the first time in a long time. And I was discovering who I was. And I was so excited to finally be making progress and knowing who I was. Because I feel like a lot of the time in high school, that's when you're supposed to be finding out who you were. Starting 
freshman year to senior year. And then in college, you kind of build off of that. I didn't have that opportunity the first three years and senior year, I found it and I took it and I ran with it. And I just did all that I could to learn who I was before leaving for college. And so on your way to college, uh, you've been in university now for two years. On your way to college, who were you? Like who, who was the Emma that you were planning to present to everybody? Who was the Emma, I guess, that I met on our first week of university? You met quiet Emma. She, I learned that when I'm in new situations, I kind of retreat into myself and I don't present the person that I want to present. And so that first week of school, I was very quiet. I didn't really talk about a lot very much. I would open up once I was comfortable with someone. And so, you know, after a while, I got very comfortable with you, Alex. And you got to learn what was going on in my head up here. And, and I'm, I'm sorry for, you know, exposing you to that because goodness <laughs> gracious, it's crazy. But I, I, I kind of retreated back into that comfort zone because it was comfortable. It was what I was used to. And it took Bethany being an amazing roommate, pushing me out there a bit more to finally, you know, be myself and, and be 100% confident in who I am and what I have to give to the world. And what is it that you have to give to the world, Emma? Oh my gosh, Alex. Um, I, I feel like everybody has so much to give. I feel like I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going to describe some, some traits and please don't think that I'm building myself up or anything. I can definitely do better. Um, but I think I'm funny. I think I'm kind. I think I'm caring, thoughtful, interesting to say the least, because goodness gracious, I'm, I'm weird. Um, and I, I feel like there's just so much more that I need to discover about myself and I need to learn what I have to offer. I feel like what I know now is, is good enough to offer, but I feel like I can offer more. I really like that perspective of, you know, of taking what you have now, offering it, like being there. Uh, like you said, you're caring and you're funny, um, all true things. Like you, you said that you're, you're still finding who you are and trying to discover the other things that you can offer. Maybe if you could shed some light on maybe some moments of discovery over the past two years at university, um, what things have come to light for you and, and how have you changed? I think one thing that definitely changed when I came up here is that nobody's normal. I, for the longest time, just wanted to be normal and to fit in and to, you know, fit that mold of what I wanted to be. And I've come to realize nobody's normal. Everybody has that illusion at first of, oh, I'm normal and I'm calm and, and I'm collected and everything's okay. But I've come to realize that with time, you realize nobody's normal. Everybody has their own little thing going on. Everybody's weird in their own quirky little way. And it's so much fun to get to know someone enough to where you get to see that. They let you see that weird quirky side that 
they, you know, push away from the world. And I hope that's one thing that, you know, I can teach people one day is that nobody's normal. It's okay to not be normal. Hey guys, future Alex here just popping in because guess what? We've actually got a lot more listeners than we used to have. I've been doing this for three years now and we're starting to see some growth with the podcast, which is really cool for me because it allows me to share that message with more people about listening intently to the people around you. Now, if you'd like to support us, you can do that of course, by listening to the podcast, subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. But if you want to go above and beyond with your support for the show and the message that we're sharing, you can follow us on Instagram. You can leave us a review for the podcast. And you can also go on patreon.com slash mywaxmuseum, where you'll get access to a whole bunch more bonus content about our guests and what they're doing and where they're at now, including follow-up interviews with past guests. It's fantastic. So if you want to do that to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash mywaxmuseum. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting however you're doing it. And please enjoy the rest of this interview. I remember, I think it was last week, um, we were all hanging out and you were sharing some very funny quirky videos of you and we were having this conversation about how nobody is normal and how everybody you know they they put on this facade and then underneath there's this quirky odd person um who had you know who has these different personality quirks so i i'm curious like how do you feel comfortable like how do you get comfortable with sharing those with people I think it all just comes with time. Um, and I slowly kind of let it out a little bit. I'm definitely one of those people that I give in to the illusion of normal for a while. But then as I start getting comfortable with someone, I'll let those little weird moments kind of slip. And it's kind of like testing the waters. Like I'll be a little weird and then we'll see, you know, do they retreat? Do they think it's cute? Do they think it's funny? And then if it's a positive reaction, then, you know, I'll let out a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more until I'm so comfortable with them that I'm not, I'm not holding back pretty much. Um, and I feel like I, I kind of reached that moment with you guys last week when, we, when I was showing you those videos, because you guys thought they were hilarious. I was embarrassed of those videos, but, you know, I decided that you know what, I've known you guys for a while and it's going to be an interesting semester. So let's make it more interesting by showing who I really am. Um, and honestly, I'm just, I'm glad that I did that because I feel like I can be more open and weird and myself with you guys. And I feel like that's literally all anybody wants is to be able to be open and weird in themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's, um, I don't know, such an important thing to let people be comfortable with you. Um, are, is that something that you're actively trying to do is let people share those quirky things about themselves with you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, for work, I'm not just a mentor for the school. I am 
a sounding board. I am a friend. I am so much more than just someone who helps you figure out your schedule and manage your time well. I let all my mentees know that, you know, they have my number if they need something, if they need a friend, if if they need help in any way that I'm there. And that's something that I try and bring home from work as well. And to those in our church, in my apartment, in my friend group, I just, I want to make sure that people can be comfortable being who they are and be confident in who they are. Because I remember what it was like to have friends that I, I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel confident and comfortable with who I was. So I hid it and I, I blended into what they wanted me to be or what they thought I was. And, and I didn't like that feeling. And I don't want anyone else to have to go through that feeling as well. And I, I, I think people can get that from you. I think you do make people feel pretty comfortable um, to, to share that quirkiness. Uh, and their quirky sides with you. Um, I want to talk a little bit about something you mentioned in our quick questions, uh, which is your major, your um, your love of animals, and, uh, and and kind of get a little bit of that into the conversation before we jump forward into looking at your future. So why don't you fill us in? What are you studying? And um, why do you love it so much? I am an animal science major. Um, it's, I remember my first week here and, you know, it was intro to animal science and I was super excited. Our teacher was like, I want you to stand up, tell us who you are, what you're majoring in and um, tell us what you want to do with it and where you're from. And I remember saying, oh, hi, I'm Emma. I'm from California. I want to you know, I want to be a veterinarian, you know, that kind of thing. That's changed since, since that first week. Um, but I, I remember the, the looks I got of like, she's from California and, and she wants to work with like cows and horses and like, what? And, and everybody was just so confused that a little California girl would want to work with these big animals. And I, I don't really know where it all started. I think it all just started with the love of animals and shockingly animals loving me back. I grew up around cats and dogs and fish and a hamster, but I always loved horses and cows and pigs and goats and sheep. And for the longest time, for as long as I can remember, I just always wanted a farm. I grew up farming with my dad, but we didn't have any animals. And that was one thing that I always wanted. I always wanted that. I want, always wanted to take care of them myself. And it's just something that's stuck with me that I've always wanted to do. I remember um, we went to Utah to visit some family and there was a dog that they had and it had like huge, like swollen ears, like the tips of its ears were like swollen and like, Basically, they, they had blood in them, and it's caused from a dog shaking its head so much that the blood vessels pop. It's called a hematoma. Um, the, the blood vessels pop, and the ears fill with blood, and the only way to fix that is to drain them. And so I went inside, and I was like, oh, you know, what's wrong with... I don't remember the dog's name. We'll just call him Hunter. I'm like, oh, what's wrong with Hunter? Um, she's like, oh, we don't know. There's just something wrong with his ears. You know, is what's going on. I was like, oh, it's a hematoma. It's caused from, you know, how much he's shaking his head. And I was probably like... 10 to 12 at that point. 
And my mom just looked at me and was like, one, how do you know that? Two, do you know how to fix it? And where just and three where did this come from and i was just like oh i was watching this show and they were talking about like hematomas and everything and how to fix it and it's just super interesting and so i was just like rambling on and on and on about hematomas and how they're caused and i talked to my mom about like what i wanted to do up here at school and she even was like i remember when you were little and you diagnosed your first hematoma i was so proud of you and it it just has always been something that's fascinated me you know the science of animals and treating them and taking care of them um now i don't want to do vet school i i'm not about to do another four years of crazy schooling and everything and just kind of like the schedule of being a vet doesn't fit in with what i want to do with my life and so now i want to do artificial insemination for those listeners who don't know what artificial insemination is, um, just a quick little background. When you breed for certain traits, you can't really pick one specific trait. So in the dairy business, when they breed for higher milk production, um, natural reproductive abilities are usually the cost of that. Um, and cows nowadays aren't able to basically get pregnant as quick as they used to. So now they have someone card called an artificial insemination specialist to come in and take care of that for them. It also helps because bulls are just so expensive. You just have a huge cow that eats a ton of hay and grain and everything and just sits there on your yard living his best life and you don't get anything from him. So it's cheaper and easier to have an artificial insemination specialist come in. And the correct word is inseminate your cows for you that is so interesting that is like i knew that was a thing i knew that that's you know how a lot of this breeding happened but i didn't realize that like that was like a very specific career path so fill me in how do you become an artificial insemination specialist oh um funny thing is is in my I had to take a career exploration class in animal science because most people who do animal science um, want to be a vet or a vet tech. And for part of this class, we had to do a presentation on a different job that we thought was interesting. And I chose artificial insemination specialist. It was one thing that I was like, oh, I would never do this. You know, I would, I would never. But as I started going deeper into the topic, I realized how interesting it was and how I'd still get to work with animals I'd still get to work with, you know, the birthing process, process of like cows and everything, which is so interesting. It just interests me so much. Um, and it was one thing that I just, it was, it was crazy. Um, so you technically don't have to have a degree for it. A degree just looks good. Um, and they, it's kind of like a trade school. There's an 18 month like training process for you to get certified. And a lot of people go and work for dairies or pig farms or sheep farms or, you know, just whatever, and just go there and they're that specialist. I think what I want to do instead is um, practice with a vet um, and have me be their, their resident AI specialist. Um, and so they, if they had 
clients that, you know, needed an AI specialist, they'd just refer me and I'd go and that's how I'd get my clients through them. Um, and the cool thing is, is when I kind of did this, when I was telling my mom that this was my plan B, she was very much like, oh, well, you can't make enough money doing that. You can't do what you want to do doing that. But after doing the presentation, if you have high enough pregnancy rates, you can make a lot of money. You get to arrange your schedule. You get to work when you want to work. And there, it sucks to say, but, and I'm not going back to California, but in California, a lot of people are making a lot of money doing this. Um, especially in my hometown, because there's a lot of dairy farming in my hometown. So all I need to do is go to a place where there's a lot of dairy farming and I can make a lot of money doing this. That is super cool. That's like really interesting. And I love how, um, how so often people head off to university and they say, I'm doing this. And then they get there and they're like, oh, I didn't know this thing existed. That sounds amazing. So that's really, really cool. Um, and I guess that kind of leads into your future a little bit. You said you don't want to go back to California. We have just a few minutes left here, but uh, where do you want to go? I'm not sure. I definitely don't want to go to, don't want to go back to California. I don't like the politics. I don't like the heat. Um, the only thing that would ever keep me going back to California is my family. Um, I, I love Idaho and I love Montana and I love Wyoming. I, I just want to go somewhere where I can do this job where there is going to be dairy or beef or, you know, whatever to be able to do this job and to perform well. Um, I want to, live in a place where my kids can, can be who they want, that they're not going to, you know, coast by like I had to, or be pigeonholed into what people want them to be. I want to, I want to give my kids every opportunity that I didn't have. I want to have opportunities that I haven't had. I, there's, I could go on and on about what I want to do with my life and where I want it to end up. But the thing is, is I don't know where it's going to end up. I, I can hope and make plans for things to end up a certain way, but those plans could change. Something could get mixed up and it wouldn't work out. But I just know that there's, there's a lot that I want to do and I hope that I get to experience it. I hope so too. I think that would be really cool. Um, and you mentioned Montana. I got to say, I highly recommend it is my favorite state just just saying what's so what what's so great about montana tell me a little bit so i can assess the situation it's just beautiful like it is stunning and i i think it gets a lot of flack like people think it's boring and lame but dude the landscapes no comparison it is gorgeous highly recommend but for the last little bit here I want to hear from you on this one last question that I kind of use to wrap up every interview, which is at the end of your life, hopefully you're like 150 years old. You've had a very successful career. Um, you've gotten tons and tons of cows pregnant. 
um, you know, so many things you can be proud of. You've given these opportunities to your kids that you mentioned, and you're looking back on all of it. What are the things you think back on and are most proud of and most satisfied by? Well, that's a hard question because I don't know if my life's going to work out that way. I don't know what's going to happen, but best case scenario, let's say my life turns out that way. I hope that I can just be a good example to those who knew me. I hope that through the hard work that I'm going to have to put in throughout my entire life, I hope people see that, that hard work and not admire me for it, but acknowledge that hard work that I, that I put forward. And I don't know, you hear these sad stories of people who just kind of, you know, coasted through life and are only remembered by a few. I hope that my family remembers me the way that I remember some of my past ancestors and are proud of me and love me, are, are thankful for the things that I've done to help them. I really like that. Yeah, I like that. Um, well, with that, I just want to say thank you very much for having joined me today. Thanks for having me. It's been great. And thank you for listening, not just to this show, which we certainly do appreciate, but more to the people around you, the people in your life that you just happen to know. Take some time, just five minutes, to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco, 